Chapter thirty three of Jacob Faithful by Captain Marriott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. Chapter thirty three A ten pound householder occupied with affairs of state. The advantage of the word implication. An unexpected meeting and a reconciliation resolution versus bright black eyes verdict for the defendant with heavy damages the house of old tom beasley was situated on the verge of battersea fields about a mile and a half from the bridge bearing the same name the river about twenty yards before it the green grass behind it and not a tree within half a mile of it there was nothing picturesque in it but its utter loneliness it was not only lonely but isolated for it was fixed upon a delta of about half an acre between two creeks which joined at about forty yards from the river and ran up through the fields so that the house was at high water upon an island and at low water was defended by an impassable barrier of mud so that the advances to it could be made only from the river where a small hard edged with posts worn down to the conformation of decayed double teeth offered the only means of access the house itself was one story high dark red bricks and darker tiles upon the roof windows very scarce and very small although built long before the damnable tax upon light for it was probably built in the time of elizabeth to judge by the peculiarity of the styles of architecture observable in the chimneys but it matters very little at what epoch was built a tenement which was rented at only ten pounds per annum the major part of the said island was stocked with cabbage plants but on one side there was half a boat set upright with a patch of green before it at the time that old beasley hired it there was a bridge rudely constructed of old ship plank by which you could gain a path which led across the battersea fields but as all the communications of old tom were by water and mrs beasley never ventured over the bridge it was gradually knocked away for firewood and when it was low water one old post redolent of mud marked the spot where the bridge had been the interior was far more inviting mrs beasley was a clean person and frugal housewife and every article in the kitchen which was the first room you entered was as clean and as bright as industry could make it there was a parlour also seldom used both of the inmates when they did meet which was not above a day or two in three weeks during the time that old beasley was in charge of the lighter preferring comfort to grandeur in this isolated house upon this isolated spot did mrs beasley pass a life of almost isolation and yet perhaps there never was a more lively or more happy woman than mrs beasley for she was strong and in good health and always employed she knew that her husband was following up his avocation on the river and laying by a provision for their old age while she herself was adding considerably to it by her own exertions she had married old tom long before he had lost his legs 
at a time when he was a prime active sailor and the best man of the ship she was a netmaker's daughter and had been brought up to the business at which she was very expert the most difficult part of the art is that of making large seines for taking seafish and when she had no order for those to complete the making of casting nets beguiled away her time as soon as her household cares had been disposed of she made money and husbanded it not only for herself and her partner but for her son young tom upon whom she doted so accustomed was she to work hard and be alone that it was difficult to say whether she was most pleased or annoyed when her husband and son made their appearance for a day or two and the latter was alternately fondled and scolded during the whole of his sojourn tom as the reader may suppose from a knowledge of his character caring about as much for the one as the other i pulled into the hard and made fast my boat there was no one outside the door when i landed on entering i found them all seated at the table and the grand display of fragments in the shape of herring bones etc well jacob come at last thought you had forgot us piped to breakfast at eight bells always do you know said old tom on my making my appearance have you had your breakfast jacob said mrs beazeley no replied i i was obliged to go up to mr turnbull's and that detained me no more sodgers jacob said tom father and i ate them all have you replied mrs beazeley taking two more red herrings out of the cupboard and putting them on the fire to grill no no master tom there's some for jacob yet well mother you make nets to some purpose for you've always a fish when it's wanted i dispatched my breakfast and as soon as all had been cleared away by his wife old tom crossing his two timber legs commenced business for it appeared what i was not aware of that we had met on a sort of council of war jacob sit down by me old woman bring yourself to an anchor in the high chair tom sit anywhere so you sit still and leave my net alone tom cried his mother in parenthesis you see jacob the whole long and short of it is this i feel my toes more and more and flannels no longer warm i can't tide it any longer and i think it high time to lie up in ordinary and moor abreast of the old woman now there's tom in the first place what's to do with he i think that i'll build him a wherry and as i'm free of the river he can finish his apprenticeship with my name on the boat but to build him a wherry would be rather a heavy pull for me if you mean to build it yourself i think it will prove a heavy pull for me replied tom silence tom i built you and god knows you're light enough and tom leave my net alone cried his mother father made me light-fingered mother ay and light-hearted too boy rejoined the dame looking fondly at her son well continued old tom supposing that tom be provided for in that way then now i comes to myself i've an idea that i can do a good bit of work in patching up boats 
for you see i always was a bit of a carpenter and i know how the builders extortionate the poor watermen when there's a trifle amiss now if they knew i could do it they'd all come to me fast enough but then there's a puzzle i've been thinking this week how i can make them know it i can't put out a board and say beasley's boat builder because i'm no boat builder but still i want a sign lord father haven't you got one already interrupted young tom you've half a boat stuck up there that means that you're half a boat builder silence tom with your frippery what do you think jacob could you not say boats repaired here yes but that won't exactly do they like to employ a builder and there's the puzzle not half so puzzling as this net observed tom who had taken up the needle unobserved by his mother and begun to work i've made only ten stitches and six of them are long ones tom tom you good-for-nothing why don't you let my net alone cried mrs beazley now twill take me as much time to undo ten stitches as to have made fifty all right mother no tom all's wrong look at these meshes well then all's fair mother no all's foul boy look how it's tangled still i say all's fair mother for it is but fair to give the fish one or two chances to get away and that's just what i've done and now father i'll settle your affair to your own satisfaction as i have mother's that will be queer satisfaction tom i guess but let's hear what you have to say why then father it seems that you're no boat builder but you want people to fancy that you are aren't that the question why tis something like it tom but i do nobody no harm certainly not it's only the boats which will suffer now get a large board with boats built to order and boats repaired by tom beazley you know if any man is fool enough to order a boat that's his concern you didn't say you're a boat builder although you have no objection to try your hand what do you say jacob said old tom appealing to me i think that tom has given very good advice and i would follow it ah tom has a head said mrs beazley fondly tom let go of my net again will you what a boy you are now touch it again if you dare and mrs beazley took up a little poker from the fireplace and shook it at him tom has a head indeed said young tom but as he has no wish to have it broken jacob lend me your wherry for half an hour and i'll be off i assented and tom first tossing the cat upon his mother's back made his escape crying lord molly what a fish as the animal fixed in its claws to save herself from falling making mrs beazley roar out and vow vengeance while old tom and i could not refrain from laughter after tom's departure the conversation was renewed and everything was finally arranged between old tom and his wife except the building of the wherry at which the old woman shook her head the debate would be too long and not sufficiently interesting to detail one part however i must make the reader acquainted with 
After entering into all the arrangements of the house, Mrs. Beasley took me upstairs to show me the rooms, which were very neat and clean. I came down with her, and old Tom said, Did the old woman show you the room with the white curtains, Jacob? Yes, replied I, and a very nice one it is. Well, Jacob, there's nothing sure in this world. You're well off at present, and leave well alone is a good motto. But recollect this. That room is for you when you want it, and everything else we can share with you. It's offered freely, and you will accept it the same. Is it not, old lady? Yes, that it is, Jacob. But may you do better. If not, I'll be your mother, for want of a better. I was moved with the kindness of the old couple, the more so as I did not know what I had done to deserve it. Old Tom gave me a hearty squeeze of the hand, and then continued. But about this wherry, what do you say, old woman? What will it cost? replied she gravely. Cost? Let me see. A good wherry with skulls and oars will be a matter of thirty pounds. The old woman screwed up her mouth, shook her head, and then walked away to prepare for dinner. I think she could muster the blunt, Jacob, but she don't like to part with it. Tom must coax her. I wish he hadn't shied the cat at her. He's too full of fun. As old Beasley finished, I perceived a wherry pulling in with some ladies. I looked attentively and recognized my own boat and Tom pulling. In a minute more they were at the hard, and who, to my astonishment, were there seated but Mrs. Drummond and Sarah. As Tom got out of the boat and held it steady against the hard, he called to me. I could not do otherwise than go and assist them out. And once more did I touch the hands of those whom I never thought to meet again. Mrs. Drummond retained my hand a short time after she landed, saying, We are friends, Jacob, are we not? Oh, yes, madam, replied I, much moved, in a faltering voice. I shall not ask that question, said Sarah gaily, for we parted friends. And as I recalled to mind her affectionate behaviour, I pressed her hand, and the tears glistened in my eyes as I looked into her sweet face. As I afterwards discovered, this was an arranged plan with old and young Tom, to bring about a meeting without my knowledge. Mrs. Beasley curtsied and stroked her apron, smiled at the ladies, looked very cattish at Tom, showed the ladies into the house, where old Tom assisted to do the honours after his own fashion, by asking Mrs. Drummond if she would like to wet her whistle after her pull. Mrs. Drummond looked round to me for explanation, but young Tom thought proper to be interpreter. Father wants to know, if you please, ma'am, whether, after your pull in the boat, you wouldn't like to have a pull at the brandy-bottle. No, replied Mrs. Drummond, smiling, but I should be obliged for a glass of water. Will you get me one, Jacob? I hastened to comply, and Mrs. Drummond entered into conversation with Mrs. Beasley. Sarah looked at me, 
and went to the door, turning back as inviting me to follow. I did so, and we soon found ourselves seated on the bench in the old boat. Jacob, said she, looking earnestly at me, you surely will be friends with my father? I think I should have shaken my head, but she laid an emphasis on my, which the little gypsy knew would have its effect. All my resolutions, all my pride, all my sense of injury vanished before the mild, beautiful eyes of Sarah, and I replied hastily, Yes, Miss Sarah, I can refuse you nothing. Why, Miss Jacob? I am a waterman, and you are much above me. That is your own fault, but say no more about it. I must say something more, which is this. Do not attempt to make me leave my present employment. I am happy, because I am independent, and that I will, if possible, be for the future. Anyone can pull an oar, Jacob. Very true, Miss Sarah, and is under no obligation to anyone by so earning his livelihood. He works for all, and is paid for all. Will you come and see us, Jacob? Come to-morrow. Now do. Promise me. Will you refuse your old playmate, Jacob? I wish you would not ask that. How then can you say that you are friends with my father? I will not believe you unless you promise to come. Sarah, replied I earnestly, I will come and to prove to you that we are friends, I will ask a favour of him. Oh, Jacob, this is kind indeed, cried Sarah, with her eyes swimming with tears. You have made me so, so very happy. The meeting with Sarah humanised me, and every feeling of revenge was chased from my memory. Mrs. Drummond joined us soon after, and proposed to return. And Jacob will pull us back, cried Sarah. Come, sir, look after your fare in both senses. Since you will be a waterman, you shall work. I laughed and handed them to the boat. Tom took the other oar, and we were soon at the steps close to Mr. Drummond's house. Mamma, we ought to give these poor fellows something to drink. They've worked very hard, said Sarah, mocking. Come up, my good men. I hesitated. Nay, Jacob, if to-morrow, why not to-day? The sooner these things are over, the better. I felt the truth of this observation, and followed her. In a few minutes I was again in that parlour in which I had been dismissed, and in which the affectionate girl burst into tears on my shoulder as I held the handle of the door. I looked at it and looked at Sarah. Mrs. Drummond had gone out of the room to let Mr. Drummond know that I had come. How kind you were, Sarah, said I. Yes, but kind people are cross sometimes, and so am I. And so was... Mr. Drummond came in and stopped her. Jacob, I am glad to see you again in my house. I was deceived by appearances and did you injustice. 
how true is the observation of the wise man that a soft word turneth away wrath that mr drummond should personally acknowledge that he was wrong to me that he should confess it every feeling of resentment was gone and others crowded in their place i recollected how he had protected the orphan how he had provided him with instruction how he had made his house a home to me how he had tried to bring me forward under his own protection i recollected which alas i never should have forgotten that he had treated me for years with kindness and affection all of which had been obliterated from my memory by one single act of injustice i felt that i was a culprit and burst into tears and sarah as before cried in sympathy i beg your pardon mr drummond said i as soon as i could speak i have been very wrong in being so revengeful after so much kindness from you we both have been wrong but say no more on the subject jacob i have an order to give and then i will come up to you again and mr drummond quitted the room you dear good boy said sarah coming up to me now i really do love you what i might have replied was put a stop to by mrs drummond entering the room she made a few inquiries about where i at present resided and sarah was catechizing me rather inquisitively about mary stapleton when mr drummond re-entered the room and shook me by the hand with a warmth which made me more ashamed of my conduct towards him the conversation became general but still rather embarrassed when sarah whispered to me what is the favour you would ask of my father i had forgotten it at the moment but i immediately told him that i would be obliged if he would allow me to have a part of the money belonging to me which he held in his possession that i will with pleasure and without asking what you intend to do with it jacob how much do you require thirty pounds if there is so much mr drummond went down and in a few minutes returned with the sum in notes and guineas i thanked him and shortly afterwards took my leave did not young beasley tell you that i had something for you jacob said sarah as i wished her good-bye yes what is it you must come and see replied sarah laughing thus was a finale to all my revenge brought about by a little girl of fifteen years old with large dark eyes tom had taken his glass of grog below and was waiting for me at the steps we shoved off and returned to his father's house where dinner was just ready after dinner old tom recommenced the argument the only hitch says he is about the wherry what do you say old woman the old woman shook her head as that is the only hitch said i i can remove it for here is the money for the wherry which i make a present to tom and i put the money into young tom's hand tom counted it out before his father and mother much to their astonishment 
you were a good fellow jacob said tom but i say do you recollect wimbledon common what then replied i only jerry abershaw that's all do not be afraid tom it is honestly mine but how did you get it jacob said old tom it may appear strange but impelled by a wish to serve my friends i had asked for the money which i knew belonged to me but never thought of the manner in which it had been obtained the question of old tom recalled everything to my memory and i shuddered when i recollected the circumstances attending it i was confused and did not like to reply be satisfied the money is mine replied i yes jacob but how replied mrs beazeley surely you ought to be able to tell us how you got so large a sum jacob has some reason for not telling missus depend upon it mayhap mr turnbull or whoever gave it to him told him to hold his tongue but this answer would not satisfy mrs beazeley who declared she would not allow a farthing to be taken unless she knew how it was obtained tom give back the money directly said she looking at me suspiciously tom laid it on the table before me without saying a word take it tom said i colouring up i had it from my mother from your mother jacob said old tom nay that could not well be if my memory serves me right still it may be deary me i don't like this at all cried mrs beazeley getting up and wiping her apron with a quick motion oh jacob that must be not the truth i coloured up to the tips of my ears at being suspected of falsehood i looked round and saw that even tom and his father had a melancholy doubt in their countenances and certainly my confused appearance would have caused suspicion in anybody i little thought said i at last when i hoped to have so much pleasure in giving and to find that i had made you happy in receiving the money that it would have proved a source of so much annoyance i perceive that i am suspected of having obtained it improperly and of not having told the truth that mrs beazeley may think so who does not know me is not to be wondered at but that you continued i turning to old tom or you looking at his son should suspect me is very mortifying and i did not expect it i tell you that the money is mine honestly mine and obtained from my mother i ask you do you believe me i for one do believe you jacob said young tom striking his fist on the table i can't understand it but i know you never told a lie or did a dishonourable act since i've known you thank you tom said i taking his proffered hand and i would swear the same jacob said old tom although i have been longer in the world than my boy has and have therefore seen more and sorry am i to say many a good man turned bad from temptation being too great but when i looked in your face and saw the blood up to your forehead i did feel a little suspicious i must own but i beg your pardon jacob no one can look in your face now and not see that you are innocent i believe all you say in spite of the old woman 
and the devil to boot. And there's my hand upon it. Why not tell? Why not tell? muttered Mrs. Beasley, shaking her head, and working at her net faster than ever. But I had resolved to tell, and did so, narrating distinctly the circumstances by which the money had been obtained. I did it, however, with feelings of mortification which I cannot express. I felt humiliated. I felt that, for my own once, that money I never could touch. Still, my explanation had the effect of removing the doubts even of Mrs. Beasley, and harmony was restored. The money was accepted by the old couple, and promised to be applied for the purpose intended. As for me, Jacob, said Tom, when I say I thank you, you know I mean it. Had I had the money, and you had wanted it, you will believe me when I say that I would have given it to you. That I'm sure of, Tom. Still, Jacob, it is a great deal of money, and I shall lay by my earnings as fast as I can, that you may have it in case you want it. But it will take many a heavy pull, and many a shirt wet with labour, before I can make up a sum like that. I did not stay much longer after this little fracas. I was hurt. My pride was wounded by suspicion, and fortunate it was that the occurrence had not taken place previous to my meeting with Mrs. Drummond and Sarah. Otherwise no reconciliation would have taken place in that quarter. How much are we the sport of circumstances, and how insensibly they mark out our career in this world. With the best intentions we go wrong. Instigated by unworthy motives we fall upon our feet, and the chapter of accidents has more power over the best regulated mind than all the chapters in the Bible. End of chapter 33